0: Hello, Pod Fam, and hello, Rachel. How are you today?
1: I am doing good, Laura. I am pumped. Oh my God. This episode today, and I've been pumped for days. Like, we recorded a day after we were supposed to. And let me tell you, like, I have been itching to talk about this. And I'm like, how did this turn into? What it turned into because, like, we almost didn't want to do it.
0: Yes, exactly. So we have to give our listeners a little background. Obviously, from the title, you know what we're going to be talking about today. And the thing is, we've been talking about some really heavy stuff for the past couple of weeks. You know, yeah, we've gone through my skin journey. We had a pity party about managing unrealistic expectations. <laughs> we um, then talked about how society hates powerful women. So we're just like, okay. Okay, let's We need to do something. Let's else. pause. <laughs> let's pause cuz I know we have so many feelings, but like <laughs> we need to talk about something fun. So this originally was supposed to be like a top favorites of our favorite animated Disney movies, but then we kind of took it a little bit too far and got yeah. so engrossed with the history mm-hmm. of Disney's animation. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> so we hope our listeners do enjoy Disney, and I mean, I don't think there's a person alive today who hasn't grown up in one of the Disney eras, so mm-hmm. we just hope that you enjoy this episode, because we really just wanted to share how amazing Disney's animated movies are, because, like, those are our childhood memories, you know? Like, that's, that's our childhood yeah. growing up to those
1: films. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, is Snow White was the first ever feature-length animated movie, mm-hmm. and, like, that was... Like, you know, in the 19... It was the 1930s? 1937. Or 1937 that Snow White came out. And, like, Walt Disney is essentially the creator of animated feature films, which yep. is insane if you actually think about it. And also just, like, the attention to detail and just how much work mm-hmm. those original movies are, like... Shout out to all the animators that have worked on any Disney film throughout history, whether or not it was a big box office success or not. Yes. Like, you sacrificed at least four years of your life. I know. Just continuously sketching out just minuscule moment after minuscule moment. And that is just – I wish I had the skill. Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. Yes. Yes. And just think about it, too, where, you know, as we get into the Disney Renaissance era, how many people Mm -hmm. were involved as animators on just one film and they had to match everything. Yeah. Like, there could not be a variation in how a character looked because otherwise the movie would look really out of whack.
0: Exactly. And I feel like after we've done this deep dive, now I need to see a documentary of how, like, the early animated films were, were, Mm -hmm. like, filmed, actually. Like, actually how they filmed them because it's just insane how they have like all the different layers that are just mm-hmm. um built on top of each other to create this like very 3D effect and realistic um looking backgrounds like it's just it's amazing what they've they've done so we hope you guys enjoy this episode like really we just want to celebrate and just talk about some amazing pieces of of artwork really like that's what these movies are they are pieces of art and I don't know. I think I think we're very fortunate to have grown up with all of these stories,
1: especially the era that you and I grew up in. Oh, the best! The, one. What a time to be alive! Oh my god, <laughs> to be a kid in those days, like we were spoiled. We were so spoiled. We really were. We really were. I mean, we'll we'll get into a bit later. But to inspire me for this episode, I was listening to uh, Phil Collins' yes. Tarzan album. Yes. Uh, so I mean the Tarzan album, but you know it's synonymous with Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. I was losing it oh, in the car. Yeah. I that is one album that I will dance to, and I don't dance really. <laughs> I'm not a good dancer, yeah. and I was just like going hard on my way to work and on my way home. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I can definitely say that in the um when when did that movie was it 1999.
1: I think so, yeah, it was right before – it was the very last movie of the Disney renaissance.
0: Exactly. And so I know for sure like when I was a kid, my mom and I for most of the 2000s, like that was the CD that was in the car yeah. and I'm pretty sure it almost got like burnt out because we, we used yeah. it so much.
1: I had that and a cassette tape of The Lion King, but like The Lion King Elton John songs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my mom apparently said we used to sing it on the like long drives and stuff. And I'm like, sounds about right.
0: I bet your father loved that.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know if he was in the car when that happened, okay. <laughs> but we've been going on for far too long. We're going to spoil our points here. So yes. what are you having to drink tonight?
0: Uh, so I had a nice lasagna dinner this evening. So oh, yeah. I am having an arrooibos tea, which is amaretto. And it's just one of those like really smooth tasting teas, and just a very good like after dinner tea.
1: Nice. Yes. Nice. What are you drinking? Well, I'm. I'm also having a Rubois. Robois? roibus, roibus. <laughs> I parent. I my brain hurts, guys. It's been a long week, uh, and it's the lemon ginger ale tea. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, because I had – we don't have any food in the house right now, so you know that that is craft dinner night, Mm -hmm. and my tummy is feeling very full. I bet. After that. I bet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just helping me out, but let's get into it. See, I didn't use the word cracked because you made fun of me. Oh, my God. I made fun (laughs) of you once because it's so cute, and like now you won't say it. I'll say it next time just for you. Okay. But – To start it off, picture this, it's 1937, Mm -hmm. and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs comes out, kicking off the golden era of Disney. Yes, yes. And the important thing about Snow
0: White, um, you know, Gwelt had done animation shorts. You know, Mickey Mouse had a long time been a thing. But Mm -hmm. really what he wanted to do was take animation to the next level. So Mm -hmm. it was – that animation could be more than just cartoons. You know, they could be works of art and masterpieces and actually tell
1: a story just like Mm -hmm. any live action feature length movie. Yes. And a key distinction here, because, you know, when you hear the golden era, you're usually like, oh, well, that must be the most successful Mm -hmm. of something, right? That's not necessarily what this means. What it means is that this has become the gold standard of what animation can be. So let's look at Bambi, for example. So that was the fifth animated feature to ever come out. But when you look at it, it really is like every frame looks like a painting. Mm -hmm. And the fact that that early on, in this type of filmmaking that they could do that is amazing. So why don't you jump into kind of where this era started and where it ended? Sure. In terms of movies. Yeah. So
0: like you're saying, you know, these movies were the masterpieces, you know, everything was hand drawn, hand painted. And I, you know, still can't wrap. My mind about how things were shot, but it was like a multiplane camera. And Mm -hmm. it was really the first animated work ever to use that type of camera. Like, this is all brand new technology. Because if you think about it, even Hollywood itself is not very old at this point in history. You know, like we're still in the golden age of Hollywood. And so it's all started with Snow White and the Seven Doors that came out in 1937. It was Mm -hmm. then followed up three years later by Pinocchio in 1940. Snow White won. Several Academy Awards, and then also Pinocchio did as well. It won two Academy Awards in Best Soundtrack and Best Original Song categories. Uh, so uh, Pinocchio Pin- still scares the absolute oh, God, yeah. out yeah, of yeah, me. Yeah, Pinocchio, Pinocchio was never one of my favorites. So it's no. kind of like a little bit darker. Same with Fantasia, that also came out in 1940. Just mm-hmm. very dark. And this one um, really was a labor of love, I think, for Walt. Because he mm-hmm. kind of wanted to showcase what he could do with animation and music. Um, mm-hmm. But to, like, the the audience, this was more like it felt like just a bunch of shorts that had all been pieced together. And yes. there's some very scary moments <laughs> in those movies. Yeah, so,
1: so on that note before we move on, because mm. I know we have two other movies in this era, is when we think of classic Disney, the golden era isn't necessarily what we – think of as the family friendly no Disney film. No. That they, they they are very harsh and a lot of them are really scary. Yes. Like there are some scary scenes that I would not want to bring my five-year-old or even like, you know, a 10-year-old to if I had a child today. <laughs> right. And animated films today have kind of become synonymous with child like childhood films. Mm-hmm. So they're usually rated G. Um, I don't know if Pinocchio and Bambi would be rated G.
0: Yeah, actually, they came out today. The funny thing is, so at this time, like you were saying, you know, today animated films are very much considered, like, for family-friendly kids' movies. But at this time, this was a new work of art. So Mm -hmm. even though, yes, like, it kind of tailored towards maybe family stories, because a lot of these stories, like Pinocchio, Snow White, uh, in this era, did actually come from classic fairy tales that had been revamped Mm -hmm. to suit- Um, a feature length film. And I heard this one thing. So the rating system did not exist at this time. And I think a lot of these movies are rated G, I think. But if you actually compared it to today's standards, like with the the current rating system, they would all be minimum PG, if not PG-13.
1: Yeah. 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 There's definitely a lot of moments in these movies that are etched into my mind from childhood of I am terrified. Pink elephant and dancing I'm- man. Mm. <sighs> okay, you know what? Just the entirety of Pinocchio. Yes. He just turns into a donkey.
0: I know. Oh, and I just want to throw out this this fact. This was how amazing and groundbreaking they were being with animation. So in Pinocchio, um, there's a lot of like smoking because, you know, that's the time, right? Everyone smoked. And mm-hmm. they created the method of how to create smoke and smoke rings for <laughs> the it. movie so it didn't look fake. Like, how cool is that? I know it's kind of weird, but the fact that, like, there was no roadmap, they were creating the roadmap with every film.
1: Yes. So, moving off of this into the last two movies of this era, up next was Dumbo. Yes. Which is another one that um, kind of emotionally scarred me. Mm-hmm. And it was also one of them that did not do very well critically.
0: No, no, it did not do well no. at the box office. And I feel like now, um, you know, all of these movies are classics. And if you count for inflation, um, all of them are successful over, obviously, you know, the past 90 years. Um, But at Mm -hmm. the time, you know, they had such a big win with Snow White that Mm -hmm. they were hoping to follow up with future wins. But the stories just weren't quite what they are today. You know, there wasn't really the music and the theatrics that Mm -hmm. more modern movies have. So that's kind of where they fell short. And then to round out this era was Bambi. Um, oh. One of the most heart wrenching movies in the first five minutes. Oh my God. And that's how they closed 1942.
1: And Bambi was one that actually did implement music quite a lot in a different way. Mm-hmm. The one that I always think about is the, uh, the rainstorm scene. Do you remember which one I'm talking yes, about? I do. Where the actual rainstorm, the music is almost where well, it's just inter- instrumental, it's just an mm-hmm. orchestra, but it's almost narrating. This rainstorm. Yes. Oh my god. It, I have. A, I'm having a visceral memory right now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so the
1: thunderclap is like the um, what are they called? Symbols, the percussion, the (laughs) cymbals, and you know, there's like I think there's like an oboe going, Mm -hmm. so that was one where they did start to implement music as almost a character, yes, in the movie, but just in a very different way than from what you and I would have been familiar with as children, definitely. So, let's move
0: on to the second era, and this is this is a very not so well known time for Disney movies and it's the wartime era so it lasted from 1943 <laughs> yes. to 1949 obviously during World War II so a lot of the animators and artists that worked for Disney were enlisted into the the military so you know he lost so many of of his people who worked for him to create these movies and they really had to step back to reduce their production costs so i feel like some people like these movies definitely have like a cult following for some but to the wider masses they're not
1: really well known i honestly did not know that these existed
0: yeah like i i'm familiar with a couple of the names but I really have actually never watched them so I don't know maybe after we kind of did all this research I'll have to check them Mm -hmm. out. So the first movie of this era was Saludos Amigos which came out in 1943 and it was a four part movie that included live action and animation and it actually Mm -hmm. highlighted Latin America. This one kind of has a cool story of how Walt had created the story and produced the movie is that he actually went on a goodwill tour of Latin America and learned about their culture Mm -hmm. and then this kind of just evolved into A film that showcased pieces of it. But again, you know, he really didn't have any of the budgets because, you know, a lot of his films from the golden age, with the exception of Snow White, were not big money producers. And then also Mm -hmm. with the war on top of that, you know, there's just so much struggle for him to keep the company going. So this movie, it kind of came out as a lot of different shorts instead of having like one full feature length story.
1: Yes. And where a lot of the animation effort went at this time was actually two short films. Yeah, A lot of it was wartime propaganda Mm -hmm. that they were enlisted to create. So that's really where a lot of the animation effort went at this time, which makes sense considering the time that they were living in.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if you look at the artistry in these films, Mm -hmm. it, it reminds me very much of like Bugs Bunny and Looney Tunes. Like it it definitely reflects on that time period of what was going on in animation. And just knowing Mm -hmm. about what was going on with the war and then losing so much of their talent, um, you can just see, you know, those backgrounds were no longer really hand-painted to that much detail. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like they had to work with what they had. So the other movies of this era are The Three Caliberos, probably saying that wrong, I'm sorry, um, in 1944, (laughs) Another live action animation musical film about Latin America to follow up the Amigos. And Mm -hmm. um, the next one then was Make My Music in 1946. And this one is strongly considered a lot of the wartime propaganda for the U.S. And the U.S. government Mm -hmm. actually occupied the studios at the time and hired Walt to create these propagandas. So that's kind of like considered like his war effort to, to World War II. And then the next one, Fun and Fancy Free. From 1947, a two-part movie about a circus bear named Bongo, and it's also Cute. a retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk with Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. So again,
1: you know, oh my god, I remember that. I kind okay, of remember that one Yeah, so it scarred me. Oh gosh. I just remember like I'm sorry. I just all I remember of this movie is like I can't remember if it's like Mickey or Donald, but they're cutting the bread mm-hmm. except they're just oh getting the thinnest yeah no, it sliced, a bean. That is almost they were slicing
0: a bean and it was like paper oh. thin yeah so you know just a really telling of the time of you know how i think the war like really did kind of come through on some of these movies as well just because yes yeah, so in jack and the beanstalk you know they were starving and trying to feed themselves but also you know millions of people were suffering from the war so yes. it's kind of like with that lens of of relating to what is going on in the world. Definitely. So next film was Melody Time in 1948. Just another kind of like package of animation and several popular songs um mm-hmm. and then the last one to round out this era was the adventures of ichabod and mr toad in 1949 and it really did just adapt to literary classics the wind in the willows and the legend of sleepy hollow so mm-hmm. for these films they kind of had what was the name it was like a the package films is kind of what mm-hmm. that was like their standard name at this time because really what they were was a bunch of different stories all just yep. Put together. Yes. Yeah. So I think I think that's why, you know, there's so much going on in this era and, you know, movies from the States were not allowed to be played in Europe at the time, obviously. Mm. So yeah. really, like, none of these movies, you know, they might have shown up in a few theaters, but with so many people struggling, you know, men were off at war, women were in the workforce for the first time. So there really wasn't, like, the population to go out yeah. and enjoy these movies. So that's why I think they're really not that like – Recognized. Yeah, they're not recognized that much. And, and they really didn't make any financial impact to the company.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really just kind of kept them afloat.
0: Yeah, it did. It really just coasted them through the war. Yeah. And then we move on to probably – Besides the Renaissance era, I would say this is the next most popular
1: era. Would you agree? I would. And this era – The Silver Age, which Mm -hmm. started in 1950 and ran to 1967, is essentially what comes to mind in the general population when we think about classic Disney. So, I'm just going to list through the films because I know we have a lot to say here. (laughs) So, I'm going to start there. Okay. (laughs) So, To start this off, we have the quintessential princess movie, and that is Cinderella. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk a lot about that because this movie is very important to Disney as a company, but also Walt Disney himself. Yes. Followed up by Alice in Wonderland, Mm -hmm. which still kind of freaks me out. Yep. Still does. It's a freaky story. (laughs) Yep. It really is. Then we have Peter Pan, The Lady and the Tramp, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, The Sword and the Stone which there is a little witch in that movie that gives me nightmares (laughs) and gave me nightmares all through childhood. And then the last movie that Walt Disney was directly – involved in before his passing, and that was The Jungle Book. Yes. So let's start with Cinderella. Mm -hmm. This story was very important to Walt himself because his own life mirrored the kind of rags to riches storyline that Cinderella goes through.
0: Yeah. So with Walt, you know, he grew up in a, in a poor family, you know, he didn't come from money, but he really had this this drive and this will to succeed. And I believe it started all the way back in like the 1920s once when, when Mickey Mouse first kind of came yep. about. And he would do all of these little shorts just out of a shed. You know, like he didn't mm-hmm. he didn't have a studio. He didn't have anything to back him up. He literally did everything himself. And mm-hmm. now you're looking at it, you know, over 30 years later and he's he's quite a success. You know, Disney's not as big as um, it is today, obviously, because today it's like a giant conglomerate. But it just owns everything. (laughs) Literally, Disney owns everything. Um, (laughs) But even now at the time, like Disney was a success. You know, I I believe this was Mm -hmm. around the time he was uh, starting to build Disneyland. So it really was this this rags to riches story of his Mm -hmm. life. And I kind of just love that for him where beneath the lines, it's his story.
1: Yeah. And for Disney, the company as well – you know, they had been coming out of the wartime. It was not a financially profitable period of time for mm-hmm. them to go through. And this story kicked off their first round of major successes. Yes.
0: And it's really where they found their stride as well. You know, like they yes. figured out, hey, this princess thing, it works.
1: It works. Yeah. and like The Disney formula. Yeah. And
0: now they're getting more music and you just – this is really when it just hits its stride and they're like, okay – we are getting a formula of how this is to be done.
1: Yeah, and I think as well, just thinking of the movies at this time, this is also where a lot of the family-friendly messaging and themes Mm -hmm. was very prevalent in the story. Like the actual story of the films that they were making became just as important as the art.
0: Yes, and this is also another film that is just absolutely Beautiful. You know, next time you're watching Cinderella by yourself or, you know, with your with your family, definitely look at the backgrounds like this is all oh. hand painted.
1: I mean, look at the background of Sleeping Beauty. Oh. I, li- I watched it last night uh, for re- research purposes and it is absolutely mind blowing. It looks it looks like a painting that you would find in a museum in the background in every single shot. It does. So. Yeah. You could just
0: hang the backgrounds in a museum. And you'd be like, okay, yeah, that, I believe it. <laughs> so after Cinderella, you know, we move into Alice in Wonderland, obviously 1951. This movie was actually supposed to be made with real actors and animation just because they wanted to play more around with that balancing of the different styles. However, <laughs> in the end, you know, it did end up being an animated film. And one fun thing I love about a lot of these movies, and especially in Alice in Wonderland, Walt had actors come in to act out the scenes of the movie in front of the actual animators. So you can just kind of mm-hmm. picture in the studio, like the animators are sitting there drawing as the scene is being played out in front of them. And that is just how they're mm-hmm. supposed to get so exact with how facial expressions are and like how people move or like how people drink from a teacup. It's just so incredible of what they were able to do So next came Peter Pan, obviously, like you said, in 1953. This one, you know, definitely involving more music and getting that more family-friendly story. And this is one of the films that, that really did kind of solidify Walt Disney Animation Studios as an empire by this point. Um, and then, of course, we move into Lady and Tramp, 1955. This was the first Disney animated film produced in a cinemascope animatomic Mm -hmm. format. So it changed. I believe it went from like your little square screen to like a more widescreen, which had Mm -hmm. never been done before, right? Like they're literally coming up with this technology. And then, of course, Sleeping Beauty, 1959. This film used a color palette with an emotional and dramatic purpose, which, Rachel, Mm -hmm. I know you're going to touch on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So a few interesting things about this period is that Sleeping Beauty is the one that actually took the longest to make, mm-hmm. to animate. So I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the from beginning to end, it took about six years. Yes. And this was a film where they really spent a lot of time paying attention to the artistry and the background. Mm-hmm. So there was such an attention to detail. But one interesting thing about it is that because so much time was spent there, the story almost became a bit more simple than it otherwise would have been. And it actually didn't do that well in theaters because audiences didn't connect with that story, which watching it back as an adult, I can see where that happened. Because you're watching it, and you're like, wow, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But there are parts of it where you're like, who's this character?
0: Yeah, like, what is
1: this character's
0: name? <laughs> yeah, I would agree with like the the story's a little bit weak. Not saying that it's not a great movie. I know people love this movie, but when you compare it to something like Cinderella, there there is a little bit more substance to to Cinderella where you relate to the character a little bit better. Where I agree with you, you know, I didn't find myself ever really. Relating to Aurora,
1: yeah, and it's it's interesting because I almost forget that Sleeping Beauty came later, yes, like after Cinderella. Because in my brain, it almost belongs with that Snow White, yes, era, yes. because there's such an emphasis on how beautiful it looks. Like it is a moving piece of art,
0: mm-hmm. yes, and it it reflects more the the Snow White story, yes. with the artwork versus Cinderella, that's a little bit more about story. Yes. So 101 Dalmatians, this one came out in 1961. And if you were to watch Sleeping Beauty followed by 101 Dalmatians, you would notice a drastic change in the animation. So yeah. like Rachel said, Sleeping Beauty took like at least six years for them to animate, which in today, like that's that's a very long time. It was a long time back then as well. Yeah. So what you see on 101 Dalmatians is the, the animation's very, like, thick-lined and scratchy looking mm-hmm. in the drawings. And that is because, you know, they tr- they didn't have a ton of money after Sleeping Beauty. You know, it cost them a fortune. It didn't do so well at the box office. So they, they didn't have a big budget for 101 Dalmatians. Um, I also, if I recall correctly, Walt didn't so much believe in this movie. Like, he was a little bit hands-off for these last yeah. three because he was so focused on building... Disneyland at the time that he was a little bit, you know, out of the initial process of the films being created and animated, where he would see more of the final product. And mm-hmm. I think if, if I remember correctly, he kind of said that this movie was trash, um, oh. and that was like on the final cut that he saw, Oof. like because it just it wasn't a beautiful film. Um, mm-hmm. The funny thing is though, uh, is that the critics and the audience loved it. They absolutely yeah. loved the storyline. Because it is it is fun. Like, it's a fun movie, and it does well for, like, all genders. You know, it's not that yeah, princess. It's which, not a girl. Yeah, like, and princess, they. I know lots of boys watch princess movies, but they do get a little bit more targeted towards the girls.
1: Yeah, and I think that um, given the time that a lot of these movies were created in, uh, and we'll find this a lot in the Disney Renaissance era, mm-hmm. it was kind of marketed where, like, you know, the princess movies, they were, like, thought of as the girl movies yes you know but an important thing to remember about 101 dalmatians and the two movies that come after is that you do see this change in style of animation but you made an important point where walt wasn't as directly involved yeah he was more focused on disneyland and that just goes to show how into and how much of a hand he wanted to have Mm -hmm. and how his animation looked like he was the visionary he was at this time he was the person who pushed that like who just like kept that train going and was like okay we're gonna do this next and we're gonna do this next Mm -hmm. that as he kind of took a step back his animation team is sitting there like well what do we what do we do which style are we gonna do where are we what kind of story are we gonna focus on etc exactly
0: Yes, and this type of animation um it was the first time they had ever done this because you know they were given permission to speed things up and and not so spend so much time on the background. So if you watch mm-hmm. 101 Dalmatians, you'll see that the backgrounds are very fixed and yep. they kind of had this more modern style ver- like that it was it felt more like when you were watching it like it could be 1961. In these houses where like all the other films before that, you know, you were being taken back to a time like you were taking back to the medieval ages. So that was definitely kind of a fresh style that the audience really loved. And the process that they were doing was they would Xerox the different images and layer Mm -hmm. them on top of each other. And they were drawing right on. The Xerox. So that's why all the lines are so dark because they had to outline the images and that's how they got all the different Dalmatian puppies.
1: Yeah. So the term for that type of animation is xerography. Mm -hmm. My kind of understanding, because I still don't really understand how animated movies at this time were made because it's just such a complicated process. But how the movies are shot is they're kind of shot on these layered things called cells, Mm -hmm. which are these transparent sheets of paper that create you know, like the character movements plus the dimensions of the background. So how they had to do it before was it was like they would have to trace over the original drawing of the artist mm-hmm. and then that would get transferred onto the cells where this technique, like you said, they can transfer that drawing directly onto it.
0: Yes. So before, like yeah. you just said, you know, they traced it onto like parchment paper almost and then it was painted onto those cells over those those tracings where yes. this like – They were doing all the work right on the cells to save time. Yeah. Next film was Sword in the Stone in 1963. And I believe this was one of the darker
1: ones that that had come out. I was terrified of this movie. I honestly didn't know that it was a Disney movie because it scarred me. (laughs) There was just this little – I think I watched it for the first time when I was like four or five years old – have you – you've seen it, um, right?
0: I don't actually think I've seen this movie. Like, I know of it. Okay. But – Okay. Yeah, I don't
1: actually know it very well. Yeah, there's this little, like, just this little witch character <laughs> who had really crazy eyes. And when I was, like, five years old, I always thought that I was going to wake up in the middle of the night and she'd be standing at the foot of my bed. So – um that goes to show how scary this movie was for me. <laughs> yes. Um, so
0: with this, this was actually the last film to hit the market before Walt Disney's death in 1966, and mm-hmm. despite it had really poor reviews from critics, but it actually was a box office success, which is kind of funny because, yeah. like, you know, you never know what the audience is is going to to like. But it seemed from this time period, you know, going from Sleeping Beauty to these more differently animated and and darker stories. People liked it. Like, they were they were really in for that. And then to round out the era, The Jungle Book in 1967. And this was actually the last film that he ever had his hands on in terms of some of the creative control. And this is one that, you know, they really did not spare the expense on the voice actors. Um, mm-hmm. They had music legends of the time help write the songs and perform the voices and i feel like this is why this movie definitely stands out from the era because mm-hmm. it's so memorable like you know blue mm-hmm. you know magira i almost called my cat magira when i was a kid i love that yeah and and uh Ka and shir khan like and you just know their voice right like i could mm-hmm. just i probably just named all those characters and in your head you know exactly how they sound so i really loved this movie because you could tell that they're like okay let's Let's pull on these recognizable voices, and this is what's going to give these movies staying power and help the audience relate to them because they recognize
1: them. I have bare necessities playing in my head right now. Great song. Great song. Yeah. This was actually
0: a very difficult movie for uh, the Disney studio to make, though, because obviously their fearless leader passed away in 1966, and... They really did lose some direction from that, you know. Obviously, Walt had a hand on it, but not very much due to his mm-hmm. illness. So you can just kind of like almost see with the story. I find there's a bit of a a fight starting yeah. of you know who is taking the the creative lead on where the story goes, which
1: leads us into the Bronze Era. Yes, which a lot of people call the Dark Age, which yeah, otherwise referred to as the Dark Age, <laughs> which is the longest era. Of all the Disney eras to date, then it went from 1970 to 1988. Yes. Now, similar to what we said about the golden age, just because we call it the dark age does not mean these movies were bad. No. like I am obsessed with some of these movies. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, some
0: of these movies are my ultimate favorites. And really, this is where you can see that at this time, you know, the original animators and the new animators were struggling to find common ground. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a lot of time for experimenting with the plots of these movies. So, you know, hardly any of these movies really pull on classic fairy tales, you know, Robin mm-hmm. Hood. Yes, that's a classic. But a lot of them are either kind of from books, or mm-hmm. more original stories. Yep. And I just kind of I'm looking at them all right now. They really went with the animal themes. There is one movie that the black Cauldron, that's not an animal based movie <laughs> in this whole And that
1: was the least successful one. Exactly. <laughs> go with animals, guys. Go with um, the animals. Go with the animals. But yes, and similar to what we were saying earlier about how, you know, Sleeping Beauty compared to 101 Dalmatians, mm-hmm. the animation style is hugely different. Yes. And the use of xerography was huge during this era. And a big criticism at the time was that the use of this animation technique was lazy animation. Mm-hmm. So I can I can see where that's coming from.
0: Yeah, definitely when when you look at all these movies together, the animation style is like the same yet very different because it is spanning over almost twenty years. And to start off this era was The Aristocats and (sighs) 1970. I love this movie. It's like this is why I can't call it the the Dark Age. Um, No. And this was obviously a musical comedy about a family of aristocratic cats. Um, (laughs) And they befriended an alley cat, Thomas O'Malley um i love all the songs i'm just like trying not to break out into song right now the word that comes to mind
1: is just swanky yeah and i don't know yeah why. and like, this Thomas O'Malley was so uh, and this was
0: another film like they just like the jungle book you know they, they kind of added that formula of having the real like swingy jazz and songs mm-hmm. and the songwriters coming in so yes. musically i love this film like i don't think there's anything wrong with this
1: movie,
0: See, <laughs> we can't. We're off, you know. a bit
1: biased. We're a bit biased. You're so biased. But speaking of the music and such, this is something about this era and the Silver Age era that I adore, especially with the female voices mm-hmm. that they brought in. It has a very classic, yes, classical feel to it, where it's not like they're not opera singers, but you can tell like they could do a stint on Broadway. Oh,
0: absolutely, if they
1: wanted to, mm-hmm. and even you know like they just have this soft like very classical almost doris day yes vibe to their singing and i just love it. So I just had to mention that. It's just so good. Yes, absolutely. So
0: after The Aristocats, Robin Hood followed it up in 1973 and obviously this was just a retelling of the classic Robin Hood tale with animals. Mm -hmm. Um, They were really hitting the animals this era. And then next came The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh in 1977. And this film had actually been shelved for a long time and it really, I think this is kind of one of those films, it started out as a bunch of different shorts because because Winnie the Pooh has so many adventures from the storybooks and it was all kind of combined mm-hmm. into a film. But I do know that this film out of like this era was definitely hit the hardest on the lazy animation. Yes, it was. Yeah. And you can kind of see it in the movie as well. Like still a great movie, but just when you really look at the artistry of it, it's it's yeah. fairly simple.
1: Yeah. And that that was something that I was gonna bring up too about Robin Hood before we moved on too far, is that um this was also an era where they took some original character design from Mm -hmm. past. So speaking of the Jungle Book, we have Baloo, the bear. But then you look at Little John Mm -hmm. in Robin Hood and they've changed it up a bit, but you can tell. They gave him a shirt, didn't they? I'm pretty sure he's just wearing a shirt. (laughs) Yeah, like essentially it's the same character. So they were criticized a lot for that as well. Mm -hmm. Is just taking shortcuts for, again, financial purposes. But when you compare it to... Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty that came not too long before you can tell where the criticism comes from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're, and we're just talking about the naming of this of this era. Um, mm-hmm. Like it wasn't that like it it wasn't the best era for the financially. You know, it it actually did better, I believe, than the Golden Age. But when you talk about the eras, as they're called, uh, in from the from the style, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not quite up to that gold standard of no of that era, you know, like it, it's called the Bronze Age for a reason.
1: Yeah, and another thing about it too, and um, we're coming up on a movie that really emphasizes this is that there were younger animators. Yes. coming in at the time, who wanted to explore darker, mm-hmm. more mature themes that would cater to older audiences as opposed to cater towards the family-friendly vibe. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And one of the those great examples is The Rescuers in 1977. Yep. I know this. I think this is one of my boyfriend's favorite movies, The Rescuers, and then in the next era, The Rescuers Down Under. Really? Yeah. He loves this film. I've actually – I don't know. I know I've seen them, but – To me, they don't really stand out. Up next then is The Fox and the Hound in 1981. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, God. That's the one I was bringing up. (sighs) Oh. That's – oh. I just – it hurts my soul. Yeah. It's why I don't enjoy the hunter trope. Exactly. Because it hurts. It hurts so much.
0: Yes. Um, I find in this movie, you cry because you're happy. You cry because you're sad. Uh. And – yeah, yeah. So that was 1981, and this was actually they're one of best this was actually one of the most expensive Disney movies to make. And I think you can kind of tell in this movie. Um, this one, I believe, it did take a very long time. This is where like the peak uh, mm-hmm. conflict happened with the old animators and the new animators in this movie, because yeah. you can kind of tell like they're trying to hold on a little bit more to that that classic scenic artistry. Yeah yet also incorporate the newer technology. So Mm -hmm. this is where that film kind of clashes a little bit. Um, But the funny thing is, so even though it was the most expensive to make, and it did take four years, essentially, many consider it to be one of the best Disney movies in which Walt Disney himself did not participate in at that time. Really? Yeah. I thought that was a really fascinating note. Like that's really interesting. Yeah, like I love I the mean, Fox it is the very Hound. well beloved. Yeah, it is beloved. Like I love it. And it's so hard hitting and heartfelt mm-hmm. that I can see I can see where that comes yeah. from. So
1: well, I think maybe other than the Aristocats, like it did have that very um heartwarming mm-hmm. family story. It did. That like, you know, Cinderella and Lady in the Tramp and that kind of stuff had. So I can see where that praise comes from yes because it, it just resembles that time it's almost like a nostalgia mm-hmm. that it elicits yeah
0: very nostalgic and I think they're also going back to like what are the morals of yes. the story? You know, Mm -hmm. um, with Fox and the Hound, it was very much about friendship and how that friendship got them through Mm -hmm. really life and death. (laughs) Um, So Mm -hmm. that movie, it's always going to be a classic. And yeah, it's it's a good one. So coming out next was The Black Cauldron in 1985. And this was based on a series of books. And it was actually Mm -hmm. planned to be the first in a series of films. However, Mm -hmm. however, the tea here. (laughs) is that it's considered one of Disney's biggest failures. And I'm not surprised, honestly. Like, it's a dark movie. Like, this is probably one of the darkest ones they've ever come out with. And mm-hmm. I think this is where they tried to do the older, more edgy story, mm-hmm. and it just didn't hit, you know? It no. was too dark. <laughs> just too dark.
1: It's just just way too dark. I think this is one of the ones where I know I've seen it, because when I look at the images, the characters are familiar. Yes, But I think my young brain – blocked it out of my memory i
0: would agree with that i I, like i know i've probably watched this movie with someone like it it didn't live in my house (laughs) yeah Yeah, i
1: probably like mentally blocked it out (laughs) they had like the scariest villain ever yeah (laughs) it was definitely one of the ones where the darker more mature direction Mm -hmm. that some of the new animators wanted to go in this kind of was the product and it did not go very well. No, it did not. <laughs> Their next movie, however,
0: in 1986, The Great Mouse Detective, actually saved the company. It did. Yep. And it it funded it the Renaissance era. So even though this movie, I, I think it's well known, but it's not considered one of the classics, we got to give it some mm-hmm. credit because it kept mm-hmm. the doors open and it allowed Disney to continue producing films that yep. thank god because the next era coming up is just legendary but before yep. i get to that one to round out the era in 1988 was oliver and company
1: literally the cutest thing ever. oh my god
0: um pretty much what it is is charles dickens oliver twist Said in the 80s and Mm -hmm. animation of this film screams 80s everything about it like (laughs) it just has that 80s vibe so I feel like a lot of people forget that this is actually a Disney movie like even I had to take a second guess and I I had this movie growing up like I watched it constantly but to me I'm just like oh yeah it's a Disney movie because it's almost so out there from how they animate things but the story oh good story like I know I cry. Okay, I probably cry in all the Disney movies, but like <laughs> the opening scene of this one, and it's the rainstorm and he's the only kitten left I in the know. box. Oh don't, God, stop, don't
1: talk about that. I'm
0: sorry. Okay. Um, okay.
1: But, so, yeah, I I agree. Do you remember the Swan Princess? Yes. My brain almost has lumped those two together mm-hmm. where I'm like Oliver and Company made by the same people as this Swan Princess and I'm like yeah. no.
0: Yeah, but it's not. No. So yeah, I feel like that's what these are one of these fringe films. And even when you look up a lot of different eras, this one's kind of left off sometimes. So it really is mm-hmm. forgotten. But everyone should watch this film. Like it is so good. I I love it. It's got kick-ass music. And it's just a cool movie.
1: Yeah. And it was another good success as well that led into the Renaissance era. Yes. And interestingly enough that you bring up the music, it did kind of help inspire the next movie a little bit in how it was made. And let's jump into the Disney Renaissance, which you and I grew up in the thick of. Oh, yeah. It was the (laughs) best time to be alive. And it ran from 1989 to 1999 Kicking off with The Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. So this was a very important movie for Disney. And there's a couple interesting things about it. One, they brought back the Disney princess formula. Yes, But they also brought in the powerhouses of the Disney music Mm -hmm. in the 90s. And that was the duo of Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. They had a big part in deciding to give The Little Mermaid a Broadway formula. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's very common in a lot of the Renaissance movies is that Little Mermaid went in acts like a Broadway show yep. where the music kind of pushed the story along. So made it epic, translated well to stage, and many of these movies now have Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. And it just kicked off with a bang, and it was a big financial success for the time. It was if you like it was add an in inflation and stuff.
0: Yes, and really like around this time, Disney was kind of taking you know they had a, they struggled a lot with the leadership at this time, yes. and this is when they had a big executive shuffle, and they finally had the guiding
1: light again. Because
0: really with Disney movies. Someone had to steer the ship.
1: And a very important person for a period of time joined Disney Animation, and that was Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yes. Which there's some tea about that later, but like he was very important, extremely important. So in this era, Disney went
0: back to its roots and picked up adapting classical fairy tales and turned them into animated films. You know, most of mm-hmm. these films here, they do have a fairy tale that go along with them and mm-hmm. a lot of them were dark and not you know very suitable for for children and families, but Little Mermaid being one of oh, them. <laughs> they're all they're all bad. They're all bad guys. And Disney kind of found a way to bring them to the screen and make them memorable. Mm -hmm. And it was all through songs and simple plot structures. And they just really took what they learned in the Bronze Age. You know, that was their time for experimenting with animation. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, we're on the dawn of the computer age. So this is where they started to play around with getting more computer imaging in these films. And, you know, even though this era is only 10 years long, it's one of the biggest mm-hmm. in terms of films that mm-hmm. came out. Oh yeah. And that is because with the help of computers, they were able to fast track and and make a lot of these movies still be gorgeous,
1: yet not as time consuming where it takes them 6
0: years to make one film.
1: Yeah, and they also were able to use computers in this way where it could add a scale to these movies that we'd never really seen mm-hmm. before. So, for instance, one that I think of is um, the mountain scene in Mulan. Yes. That was all with the computer programs that they essentially designed. And it really just created that larger than life way of animation that we've now kind of become spoiled by.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, even in live action films, it's all CGI, mm-hmm. but really, this is where it started from, right? Because exactly. these are things that we had never seen before Mm -hmm. because the technology was not there so after the success of the little mermaid next came the rescuers down under in 1990 now this was the first disney film to ever have a sequel it was a Mm -hmm. continuation of the rescuers and it was set in australia this was another big first for computer animation and i find you can tell a lot In this film, like they have like the big sweeping flying scenes and stuff. And you can definitely tell like this is the early on of the computer animation. But then in 1991, they are mastering it because Mm -hmm. that is when... Beauty and the Beast was released. Yes. Oh,
1: and so good. Beauty and the Beast, originally, guys, Beauty and the Beast was not supposed to be a musical. No. Which I cannot even imagine. Oh my God. We would have been robbed,
0: and we wouldn't even have known it.
1: Yes. So I believe they worked on it for two years mm-hmm. and it was the non musical version of the story. And essentially, um, they were told to scrap it yep. and start again. <laughs> it was very um, different. Like
0: I think the original yes. version, if you've ever heard the original fairy tale of Beauty and the Beast, it much more mm-hmm. followed along those lines than the story that we know and love today.
1: And yes. you know what? I'm I'm happy for it. I'm glad they threw it on the the cutting room floor. I am too. But the thing, something very important here. So um, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who kind of was the studio chairman, I believe at the time, uh, he did run a very tight ship Mm -hmm. and the timeline for Disney movies or animated Disney movies is four years to produce them. He did not move the deadline. After they scrapped the film. (laughs) So they had two years. To create an entirely new film from beginning to end with a brand new script. Yep. (laughs) Because why not? And add music to it as well. And this was actually the first film
0: from Disney to include the digitally created scenes and segments to Mm -hmm. create that illusion of an actual shot. So if you think about the iconic ballroom scene of Beauty and the Beast dancing and think about what happened in the past you know the backgrounds were very static they did not move the camera did not move the characters moved but in Mm -hmm. this they shot it like a live action film where it was like sweeping over the the ceiling and the ceiling was moving and then it swept over them dancing. It's just beautiful. And they had to create this technology people. Like it didn't exist before. And this is this is why I got so excited about mm-hmm. these films. Because like it's just it's just genius of what they they had to do and look at what we have now. Like this is when, yeah. when we were kids,
1: so like, this is what we grew up with, and I love it. Yeah. So it was a huge box office success. It was. It was very critically acclaimed, huge box office success, and it was the first animated feature to ever be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. Amazing. 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 It's so good. It is. And then the next film of the Disney Renaissance, which was actually shelved. Yes. for a while to make room for Beauty and the Beast, and that was Aladdin. Mm.
0: So Aladdin came with the year I was born in 1992. A great year. Great year, guys. Awesome. A year. great year. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, as, as Rachel, you said, this movie was shelved, and you can see a lot of footage of the character development mm-hmm. of Aladdin and Jasmine and how much their look changed You know, like, Mm -hmm. in this era of the 90s, there really was that formulation of of the Disney characters and how they all looked. And this was also a great film for bringing back big actors. You know, Robin Williams. He is the genie. He's the genie. He is. Gilbert Gottfried. He is is Iago. Like He is. and, And I think Iago was actually written with Gilbert Gottfried in mind. Because mm-hmm. the animators were just like, "No he has to play this character like yeah. there is no one else because we have written it just for him pretty much fun fact about Robin Williams well it's not it's not a great fact
1: it's kind of it's kind of some tea it's actually.
0: kind of shitty so he was thankful for Disney helping him out with a live action movie. And so he decided to voice the genie for only $75,000 when at the time his price tag was $8 million. The thing was, he was coming out in an R-rated movie later on that year. And so Mm -hmm. they were worried about having his name attached to the film. So- they did not. Well, he
1: actually didn't. He actually didn't want to um, attach it because he didn't want to take the hype away from exactly. his R-rated film, right? Because that's where he wanted the attention to go, as opposed to all the steam being sent towards Aladdin and him being the genie. Yes, exactly. Sorry, yes, you have the you've got the more tea here. I was listening. Yeah, I, you were very <laughs> intrigued by that part. I know because I like kind of skimmed over it the first time I like heard about it, and I was just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> And then I was like, I got to pay attention. I'm like, wait, what happened? (laughs) T. Yes. Yes.
0: So Robin Williams made $75,000 from this movie. And because his name was Mm -hmm. not on a lot of the marketing, he also did not receive any money from any of the merchandise in this film, which I think on Disney's part, that is just bad will. right shady like
1: like i know a huge foundation of their marketing was built around the genie genie became the
0: marketing like originally the the original marketing did
1: not focus
0: on the genie but then after robin came in and played this role and became the movie they're like Mm -hmm. well shit we got to feature the genie like this is what's gonna
1: get people in the theater that's just bad will guys don't don't do that don't do don't do stuff like that um and an interesting thing about these early periods of the Renaissance is that each movie that came out topped the last in terms of it just becoming a hit. Yes. Right? They These original ones did very well, but they had not made their biggest hit yet. And it was in process at that time. And take a wild guess as to what that was. I'm going to go with The Lion King. 1994, The Lion King. And it was fantastic. It did so well. And um, the funny thing was about the production of this movie, people within the studio weren't actually sure it was going to do that well. No. And there were animators jumping ship to go work on Pocahontas, which came out later than Lion King because they thought that it was going to be the better movie <laughs> or the more successful one. Yeah. Which and is I mean, crazy. Pocahontas is amazing, mm-hmm. but like no when Lion King. <laughs> No, like when you think about what The Lion King became, you're like, guys, you should have stayed on that movie. (laughs) Yeah, like I
0: feel sometimes when you think about Disney, especially the Renaissance era, Lion King is the first movie that comes to mind.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And again, it was a movie where there was a lot of advancements in the technology. Like I'm pretty sure they had to create a whole technology just for the dust. Yep, during the stampede. During the stampede. Mm -hmm. And this was another one similar to Aladdin where they brought in a lot of big names yes. to voice the characters and they also brought in elton john mm-hmm. to be essentially write the songs
0: yes and i feel like this is it's it's not the first movie to really have an album because you know Mm -hmm. by this time the music was important from all the films like i know i had a cd that was like the disney classics 2 volume 2 or something Mm -hmm. like that but this was one of the first ones where there was a single mainstream artist Mm -hmm. creating the soundtrack
1: yeah because there's like the soundtrack of like the actual movie songs but like you can go out there and buy the elton john like lion king soundtrack. Yes. Like I had it on cassette. Yeah, exactly. I think I I did too. (laughs) I'm
0: pretty sure it it was a bomb. We all had it. So yeah, Lion King, absolutely iconic. And then in 1995, Pocahontas came out. Now this movie has a lot of controversy around it. Um, It had a lot of historical contradictions and in today's age, you know, it is quite inappropriate of Mm -hmm. how the natives were portrayed In this movie, but from a stylistic point of view, you know, the music is incredible, you know, colors of the wind, and Mm -hmm. the movie itself is very beautiful. And I think it definitely pulls back to that time of Sleeping Beauty where you get the color, you get the backgrounds. This was like the first digital film that also incorporated, I believe, like the watercolors. I, I This might be, have been mm-hmm. the first film that used watercolors.
1: Was that this one or Mulan?
0: Uh, Mulan also used it, but I'm pretty sure Pocahontas was like where they first started playing okay. with it, especially with the sky. Because when you think about that film, like there's so much nature mm-hmm. to it, like the wind moves, the sky is always like a pink,
1: it changes. Um, it's very whimsical in its color palette. Yeah. It is. And some interesting stuff with this movie, just about its release, is that, you know, they were kind of riding high on the success of The Lion King. And they kind of mirrored the marketing of that movie, but also pushed it to a pretty grand scale. Mm -hmm. And the reception for the movie was not that great. And it was actually the first Renaissance movie that did not top the one that came before in terms of box office results and critical acclaim exactly and then to follow Mm -hmm. that um i
0: feel like they kind of hit that same rough road in 1996 with hunchback of notre dame another fantastic Mm -hmm. movie like i i watch this movie all the time but it is considered one of the darkest films when it comes to torture uh religious prosecution lust and genocide like
1: this is a heavy they, movie for. And yet they marketed it towards children. Right. Like I watched it, I think, the, I, th- I, think, I, think I, I watched, watched it as last a year. Kid, <laughs> and then I watched it again either last year around when you did or the year before. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is dark for me now. I know. As an adult. Like they hit so many things.
0: And I think, obviously, when I'm a kid and, and we're children, I think a lot of it goes over our head um, mm-hmm. because all these films are kind of. Filled with little, you know, adult Teehee moments. But this one, I was just like, oh my This was God. an adult God. movie. Like,
1: like, as an adult, I'm just like, wow, I'm having
0: to process a lot here.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of where they missed the mark with this one because it's beautiful. It is. Like, it is a stunning movie, but I think they kind of thought of it almost in the same Realm as the films that came before, which were a very family oriented mm-hmm. story, where I think this one almost should have been like catered towards like teens and above. Yes. Because damn, she dark. She dark. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, it actually kind of scared me as a child.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't scared of it, but like, I think so much went over my head that when I went back and watched it as an adult, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sexy fire dance in this movie.
1: <laughs> well, even just like even just the treatment of Quasimodo, yes, is just oh, it's oh despicable. God, it's horrible. So yeah, um, unfortunately, they missed the mark. You know, going back, I can appreciate, I can appreciate it.
0: Yeah, like I love, I love the risk that it took. Yes, it's still yes, a good movie. But- it's still a good movie, but it, it is substantially more dark than than the rest of them. And then you get in- You kind of have to be an adult. Yeah, you do have to be an adult <laughs> to really understand what's going on. And you're like, wow, I question a lot of things now. And then you kind of get on the flip side with Hercules. They came out in 1997. And I was kind of surprised to find out that this was actually- one of the least successful films of this time me
1: too i love it it's a
0: fun movie so it's like that's amazing yeah it's one of those films that perfectly mixes greek mythology musical theater and comedy and Mm -hmm. i feel like it definitely embodies the 90s animation style you know not as fine as Mm -hmm. earlier movies it's a little bit more sharp and edgy i Mm -hmm. think but it works it really worked for this time and like I remember watching it with my friends, and, and we all thought it was was a fun movie. Mm-hmm. No grievances with that one, but then you move on
1: to Mulan in nineteen ninety eight. Yes. Oh, this one of the best montage songs ugh, to ever exist. Exactly, <laughs> so so good. <laughs> yes, this is a masterpiece. Um, yeah, I think
0: this is when they really figured out the computer animation, because um, mm-hmm. as you said before, Rachel, you know in the scene on the mountain when all the Huns are coming down, you know, that was all animated for this purpose. And what I also love is in the musical numbers, they really do pull in a lot of the cultural art as well. You know, they branched out from from their own traditional animation and pulled in different styles. Mm -hmm. Because this movie looks very different from any of the other films of this era. So love Mulan. Music is iconic. And then to finish out this era in 1999 is Tarzan. And they left it on a high, baby. Oh, yes. I remember seeing this movie with my mother. We both loved it. We had the soundtrack and we burned it out in our car. Like we listened to it so much.
1: Yeah. And similar to what you were saying about Mulan, this is another one where they really hit the mark with using computer technology Mm -hmm. to make the film because one of my favorite facts about this is because of the fact that Tarzan is literally wearing a (laughs) loincloth the whole time. He's doing so much physical movement, like the whole time, like he's kind of like, you know, skating through the trees and, you know, he's walking like he's kind of crawling like a gorilla, etc. They had to create a software or a technology that would like show how his muscles would move if he was a real human. Who thinks of these things? Like, He's the first character in Disney history to that point that had working muscles.
0: I know, and it's kind of funny because you're like, "What?" (laughs) But, but really, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know, it makes sense because this is the first time where you actually see the human anatomy. Mm -hmm. It's not covered by clothing, or it's not like just drawn, like just a simple drawing without. The detail of of the muscle, and what I also love about this movie is that they watch skateboarders to get that yeah. inspiration for him to be seeming like
1: he's skating on trees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one interesting thing that makes this movie stand stand out from some of its predecessors of this era is it's not a musical, but it is. So what I mean by that is that it's not a musical in the way where Tarzan is stopping uh, his, you know mid-skate on some trees to belt out a big power ballad um no uh we just got the incredible movie album that was created by phil collins and essentially phil collins came in wrote these songs in place of it being a musical so it's you know his voice Mm -hmm. and he just becomes a pseudo narrator For the movie.
0: Yeah, like the music moves the story along so much. Like it was it's essential to the story.
1: (laughs) It is because there's so much stuff. So, you know, the two ones I think of a lot when I think of this is Son of Man and Strangers Like Me. There is so much that needs to happen in those montages for you to understand what Tarzan is going through. Mm -hmm. And it just hits the mark every time so well. Like the montage of Strangers Like Me, you understand how he feels about Jane, you understand he's learning. Uh It's great. That was just so good. And
0: another film that brought in big voices to, to, to narrate this story. And can we just take a
1: moment for You'll Be In My Heart? Uh, that's such- see, but that's, that's such an interesting thing too, is I think that other than Turk singing Trashing the Camp and that brief moment where Kala sings you'll be in my heart to tarzan for like maybe five seconds mm-hmm. that's the only like character singing yeah because really movie. F- like phil collins takes over singing that song yeah for for
0: you'll be in my heart and what, what we were kind of discussing before this was it wouldn't make sense if mm-hmm. if these characters sang the songs because if you think about it tarzan and jane do not understand each other at first They cannot communicate outside of body language, so it really would not make sense, and it would essentially pull you out of the story to have Mm -hmm. them singing to each other Mm because you would kind of be like, wait a second, he he can't talk to her, yet they're singing together? (laughs) Like, it would just not make any sense, so this is where it is essential for the characters to be silent. And let yeah. the
1: music tell the story. Oh, this movie is just so good. And I think it was an excellent way to end out the era. Not sure where it falls in regards to Lion King because I know that it was about five years afterwards mm-hmm. that it came out. But they did end on a box office high. Yes. With Tarzan. Like it was the one that really ended it off being like, okay, we're back at the success.
0: Exactly. They kind of hit their stride again. But also, I feel like this movie does not get enough recognition.
1: It really doesn't. Like It's, like, it's, it's I,
0: exceptional. Movie, and it really is not enough people talk about it.
1: <laughs> no, and like the morals are good. I find a lot of the messaging still holds up today. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when I look back on some Disney movies, I'm like, Ooh, I don't know about that. And I was watching it and I was just like, Yeah, I would want my kids to learn this stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's just good messages. Maybe not the whole, there's some toxic masculinity with Kerjak and Tarzan, but that's for (laughs) another another topic. That's another day.
0: (laughs) So let's move into the post-Renaissance era that ran from 1999 to 2009. And yes, for this era, most films change the plot and the visual styles to create stories that touch on family, personal growth, and the search for one's own identity. And mm-hmm. to lead it off was Fantasia 2000 in 1999. Okay. Interesting choice. I actually don't think I've ever watched this. I'm not sure. Maybe I've caught parts of it. Um, But it was. I
1: have memories of it. Yeah. But yeah,
0: yeah. I, I I don't know yeah I found it kind of just like a very much a throwback to the original Fantasia because um, it was very mm-hmm. similar and it showed like several animated segments of classical music introduced by celebrities but I don't I don't really like consider it I don't
1: really uh, yeah it's not really like a Disney yeah. standout to me and then now- I feel like it was kind of like a love story to Walt. It's yeah, yeah. It was more like the master's. new millennium.
0: So, like, we need to honor him because Fantasia, like, Walt loved Fantasia. I know a lot of people didn't, but yeah. he did. So, yeah. yeah, it was kind of a nod to the original. And then it was followed mm-hmm. up by Dinosaur that came out in 2000. And you can really tell, like, they're trying to be experimental because now we're getting more digital and mm-hmm. 3D, but they're a little bit directionless. So, this was the first Disney film to be shot in real locations. And then they. Mm-hmm digitally generated prehistoric animals into these scenes. So it's very cool. Like visually, it's a very cool movie. It's a bit primitive. You can definitely tell that this technology is new and had not been honed in Mm -hmm. very much. But I remember liking this movie When it came out in theaters. I don't remember the story a whole lot, but it was very much around, like, not quite the Ice Age, but I believe when, like, the meteor hit. Um, I really want to go back and actually watch this movie because I do remember it being fun. So, like, good movie. Kind of like an early Ice Age, even though that's not a Disney thing, but, like... This is another
1: one that I forget was a Disney
0: movie. Exactly. Yeah, I was kind of also thinking, like, is this a Disney movie? But, yeah, it actually is. And then the next movie that came out was the classic the emperor's new groove i love
1: this movie
0: this was a great movie like it kind of so good blew the barriers off of what disney movies were known for and a lot of people thought like they were taking a huge risk because you know it was it was all about the humor it was um not like a a romance at all it was just two friends well eventual friends and kind of was like a meta comedy, So it pulled you out of the yeah. world a lot, put you back in it.
1: Yeah. And it was interesting with this movie too because it didn't actually get a lot of marketing because the – had a bit of that treatment where the story changed a bunch of times and such and it got released during the holiday season at a time when they were marketing, I believe it was uh, 102 Dalmatians. So it didn't actually get a lot of attention. So it didn't do that well. But correct me if I'm wrong, but this is like the classic from this era that I think of. And I I think think like it has it has a solid place in our hearts.
0: Yeah, like this is a film that is like memed a lot, like referenced a lot. So really culturally, like this movie has stood the test of time. And at the time, like the studio kind of wrote it off. They're just like,
1: eh. You know, it was fine. By all accounts, it really doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then they kind of
0: had one that um, aesthetically was a beautiful film, Atlantis, The Lost Empire in 2001, but it really just got lost in in its creation and in the release. The next one was Lilo and Stitch. I think Lilo and Stitch kind of overshadowed Atlantis because it came out not too long after. And I remember Lilo and Stitch being huge. And I know it wasn't that financially successful at the time, but it's another film that has stood the test of time.
1: Yeah. The Emperor's New Groove is kind of like almost like a cult hit. Yes. Where Lilo and Stitch is the standout of this era where like – it's the general consensus that this was the success.
0: Exactly. And then I'm just going to run through these next films because really they don't stand out creatively at all. And I think the thing was- I have some
1: things about Treasure Planet.
0: I know you do. But I, th- I think why these films got really lost was obviously because Disney didn't have their direction, but also mm-hmm. DreamWorks, right? They came out with all these films. Shrek stole the scene. And mm-hmm. it kind of made fun of what Disney movies are all about. And then I think this was also a pretty big time for Pixar as well. Yeah. So it just seemed like the old animation studio just kept getting, like, shoved to the side and didn't mm-hmm. really truly have any – like, it, they're good stories, but there was just always somewhere where they flopped a little bit.
1: Yeah. One of those being Treasure Planet, which it has like a special place in my heart. I've always really enjoyed the story and I thought that the music was good. I don't know if it's because like, you know, kind of catered towards boys. Yeah. So my brothers would watch it. So then I got an attachment to it. But one of the reasons why this one didn't do as well, you know, like Pixar has been very like computer animated. Mm -hmm since the beginning with their films. And this was one where they were trying to mix that computer animated style while still having some of the hand-drawn animation style. Except the thing is is that it was almost too far on one side in some areas and too far on the other Mm -hmm. in other parts of the movie where if they're mixing together it doesn't work.
0: You can tell
1: what's what. Yeah. So that was one of the reasons why that one didn't do particularly well was just because like they couldn't really pick a style that they wanted to stick to, but they also couldn't mix the two of them in a way that they kind of mixed that computer imagery and the hand-drawn stuff in the Renaissance era, probably because the technology was advancing so fast.
0: Exactly. And that led to Brother Bear in 2003. And this was actually the last traditional animated film that was produced at the Florida studio. Mm -hmm. And then that studio was actually closed and everything kind of went digital. And I know that this one also has kind of a, a cult following. It's a very good story, but just another one that didn't have that big theatrical draw and release Mm -hmm. of the Renaissance movies. And then we move on to Home on the Range in 2004, followed by Chicken Little in 2005. And Chicken Little was actually the first film animated fully in 3D digital format. And it was Mm -hmm. actually quite successful. I remember watching this one and, and did enjoy it, but it didn't have... The story, like they focused so much on the new technology that Mm -hmm. they forgot to tell the good story. Then we have Meet the Robinson in two thousand seven. I don't think I've ever actually I don't think I've seen it. Um, and then to finish out this decade is Bolt in two thousand eight, and this is actually a very popular movie with critics. They celebrate this film and consider it an essential part of the next era of Disney animation. And Mm -hmm. it did not do well at the box office, but you know when we talk about moving into the next era. You can definitely see it in the animation. Like like there's like a new breath of life where they kind yep. of figure it out. Okay, here's the formula of how we get things to look good.
1: Yes. And a very important thing to note as we move into this era that this was a symptom of is Disney had now acquired Pixar. Yes. So they were learning the Pixar way. Exactly. And
0: we all know we're not going to talk about Pixar tonight. That's a whole other episode. But um, they are fantastic. (laughs) It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So let's move on to the revival era. And that is 2009 to 2021. We've actually just changed eras in 2022. But this is the era that focuses on using all the techniques learned in the past to implement them into more classical works of the Mm -hmm. first renaissance but have a current vision you know we start getting a little bit more modern with the stories a little bit more self-aware of the characters and break those traditional roles and they're just Mm -hmm. beautifully animated as well so it all started off with the princess and the frog in 2009 this is an exceptional movie definitely go watch it if you haven't seen it this one actually uses traditional animation to reinvent classic Mm -hmm. fairy tales and i love that they kind of Brought back what they know best. Next came out was Tangled in 2010. This was actually a very expensive movie. The total cost was $260 million. And it was in production for six years. Um, Mm -hmm. I love that movie, though. It
1: is so funny and so good. And it was also the first major success. It was, yeah. Yeah. This era as well, financially. One thing about Princess and the Frog, because it's gorgeous and it did use that traditional form of animation. But for some reason, I guess, with where society was going, it didn't It didn't hit. It was still a wonderful movie, but it didn't hit the way that they were expecting it to. So when it was time for Tangled, they went full-blown computer yes. animation.
0: Yeah, like so. it, it
1: looks more like
0: that modern day. Like even if you compare it to Disney films like Frozen, the mm-hmm. anima- animation style, it can hang with mm-hmm. that kind of movie where, yes, The Princess and the Frog, you definitely have that more pulling you back into the Renaissance era, but yes. I feel like that film had to pick everyone back up, and then they're like, okay, yeah. now we can go forward. And then they came out with Winnie the Pooh in 2011, Frankenweenie in 2012, and then in 2013 came Frozen, and that smashed Every box office record that Disney had ever held, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure every other record that anyone else had ever held for yeah. for animated films and almost films in general, this thing was huge. And I'll be honest, I didn't get it at first. I did not get the hype, and I got mm-hmm. pretty goddamn sick of Let It Go. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, this is really what spurred on the continuation of Disney and, mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, Frozen
1: was – everywhere. It was just insane. Anna and Elsa as a brand, huge, just even like even apart from the Disney princesses, like they make some money oh, yes. on merchandise. Oh, yes. But I'd be very I'd be very interested um, because, you know, there's a lot of Disney songs that come out where they have such success because of streaming. Mm-hmm. I would have loved like obviously it didn't exist. But could you imagine if streaming existed when Circle of Life first dropped? Oh, would have been crazy. Oh, would have been wild. But yes, moving on. <laughs> yes. So then after
0: the major success of Frozen came Zootopia in 2016. And I love this movie because it really touched on current issues uh, such as gender equality, and I thought um, a lot of older issues as well, such as race, racism and prejudice. And it was just a beautiful film as well. It was funny, and it really did make you think, like, even for kids watching it, it made them ask questions of, of what mm-hmm. was going on and I feel like this is when Disney really started touching on more social issues, you know, Pixar had kind of started going there, but now in this new era, like films were asking the questions and they were really making us question what our society did. Um so that's mm-hmm. a fantastic one. And then another major success was Moana also in yep. 2016. This movie equally huge. I don't think it was quite as big as Frozen, but also massive, brought back, you know, big name characters such such as The Rock. Um, Even my boyfriend knows
1: the lyrics to the song, You're Welcome. He Mm -hmm. loves to sing it to me. (laughs) Love that. Something about Moana as well is I do think that those people involved in the story, they did work very hard, I think, to be respectful Mm -hmm. of the culture that they were trying to portray in the film and their history, which that was a good movement forward.
0: Exactly. On their part um, in
1: society. Yeah, because
0: I believe Pocahontas was really top of mind for people at this time and Mm -hmm. so with Moana you know they were more conscious of of that story and making sure like you said you know pulling on things that were more historically correct like obviously this is still um, a fairy tale type movie so there is that fantastical Mm -hmm. to it but they are more respectful and we also Mm -hmm. got a character who was a girl and looked like a girl you know They finally moved away from that typical princess form into Mm -hmm. something that people can look at and be like, hey, she looks like me. And also no love interest. No love interest. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Yeah. This is a first. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we come to 2019 when Frozen (sighs) 2 comes out. And I'm not going to lie. I really like this movie. I love this movie. I'm watching it and, like, the song – and scenes with show yourself start playing. And I'm like, why am I, I crying by this? Why am I crying? And I then, sob. Oh, so good. One <laughs>
1: thing, one thing I think that they really hit with Frozen 2, because you know how in the Bronze Age we were talking about how a lot of the younger animators wanted to tell more mature stories. Yes. But it didn't, it just didn't hit. Frozen 2 really just hit this formula where, like, I am, I think I saw it, I was like 23 at the time. And I was like, geez, this theme is really hitting me yeah. hard. I think because it was a good number of years between when the original came out and the second one that Disney kind of knew that the original audience was going to come watch it. Mm-hmm. And they really just hit the fact that the people, a lot of the people watching that movie are teenagers and in their early 20s. And the story just catered to that so well. And I think they did a great job.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of what I love about this era. So, you know, we are all children of the Renaissance era. And now a lot of us are, you know, we kind of went away for that post-Renaissance era. You know, we were teenagers. We were too cool for, for Disney films. And now we're coming back as adults, either as like just appreciators for that time or we now have children of our own and we want to share that Disney experience with them. So I Mm -hmm. love that they're kind of making these almost dual films where it's enjoyable for children, but for the adults watching it, like this is a movie I appreciate as an adult. Like I, I think I would enjoy it as a kid, but like Mm -hmm. from an adult,
1: I'm just like, wow, I really connect with this movie. I feel like the themes cater more to a more mature audience. Yeah. Like the themes are very
0: adult and that's where they've kind of mastered that formula where they can tell an adult story mm-hmm. and it kind of goes over the head of children, but the children mm-hmm. still enjoy the film. So, exactly. yeah, that is that is just a wonderful film, amazing soundtrack. And another, like, I think it smashed all its records before. So, you know, good for mm-hmm. them. Um, and then to finish up this era was... Raya and the Last Dragon in 2021. Now, this film, I, I feel like I need to go back and watch this film. This was kind of a funny one, and it's on a transition of eras into the streaming era, which is kind of our, our brand new 2021 to 2022. And it got kind of lost, I think.
1: Yeah, I didn't even know that it came out. Yeah,
0: like I'm really not familiar with this movie. Uh, the The caption is, Raya goes on a quest to find the Last Dragon to learn to trust and save her people. So, like, I feel like it's probably got that Disney solid formula. Um, Sounds mm-hmm. kind of similar to Moana. But with COVID and everything and, like, couldn't go to theaters, I think this was kind of one of the first experiments in a lot of the films. Like, not even just the animated ones where Disney has been experimenting with streaming on Disney+. Plus. You know, do they just release it? Do they charge the premium? This is the era that they're at right now. And mm-hmm. one film that I consider in the new streaming era is definitely Encanto which came out in 2021 and fantastic movie like pulls on the adult strings, pulls on the kids strings. It's a beautiful story and it's gorgeous to watch. It's beautiful to listen to. But also uh, what's kind of funny is they did a release, I believe on, I might have this backwards, but they did the Disney plus release and it didn't get a lot of hype. But then they put it it out, and and that was around November, I believe. And then I think they put it in the theaters for Christmas. And then by New Year's, everyone was talking about Encanto. Like, who couldn't go on TikTok or Instagram and hear the song, like, We Don't Talk About Bruno? Like, it was a literal
1: TikTok dance. I also think that original release, for some reason, was around the American Thanksgiving. It was, I believe, yes. That it just almost got lost. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's funny because films can come out on Christmas and like they're box office successes, yet Thanksgiving, they're not. It's, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Christmas is an important day. That's like I, I've been to a movie theater on Christmas oh, Day. Oh, really? A lot of people go. Yeah, I, it's actually a very important day for movies. I guess I've never done that before. I'll have to try it one day. Yeah. I know like some I of the most – it's like
0: a tradition. Yeah. Like, yeah, because I know like so many huge, huge movies have been released on Christmas Day. I'm just like, I have never been someone to go see them on Christmas Day. hmm That rounds out all the eras. Oh, my God. Guys, if you are still sitting here. Thank you. Thank you. you. Um, Shall
1: we just quickfire through our um, – I mean, I have a lot of favorites, but quickfire through our picks from each era that we've been – kind of in love with
0: yes um very quickly very quickly all right (laughs) golden age i'm going with snow white
1: i am going
0: to go with bambi ah good choice good choice wartime era i'm gonna have to skip over this one we'll get back to you guys because we have not actually watched anything i have heard really good things about the three caliberos um, mm-hmm. So I feel we will we'll watch. We'll watch those ones, but we're going to skip over that era, so we are sorry, wartime era. Silver Age. Oh, this is a hard one. I'm going Lady in oh. the Tramp,
1: but also Cinderella. Oh,
0: yeah. I had Cinderella on, on VHS, so. Love
1: it. Oh, and a well, fun I fact. Was... I have
0: one fun fact about Lady and the Tramp. Okay. So you know the iconic spaghetti scene? Yeah. That was almost cut where would disney be and the rest of the world without that spaghetti scene we would be really sad i don't know where we'd end up but i don't know i just i love that film but you know what i'm going with cinderella only because that's the one i grew up with more
1: nice well i was going to pick lady and the tramp but then i knew that you were picking lady and the tramp so that's kind of like our, our equal. That's our common like we ground. share that one. <laughs> yes. That's our common ground. Um, and I'm going to go to a Sleeping Beauty. Oh, good. I'm glad it's gotten some love. Yeah, like I did grow up with that one. And I don't know, there was something about Aurora as a character that just really hit me. Mm-hmm. I just found her very inspiring. And her singing voice was like phenomenal. Yes. Like when she's walking through the forest doing her like runs mm-hmm. where she's just like going up and down. Amazing, amazing, I love it. Amazing.
0: All right, Bronze Age. I'm going with the Aristocats and fun. I didn't mention this at the start, but I'm actually drinking out of my little Marie (laughs) mug, and on the inside it says, "Because I'm a lady, that's why." And I just find that such a quotable movie. And I probably liked that movie a little too much as a kid, and embodied
1: them a lot. Yeah, Um, I too would leave my fortune to my cats if I right. ever had the opportunity. I know.
0: Nowadays <laughs> with like how shitty people can, I, I can be, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? My cats.
1: <laughs> my cats are getting it. <laughs> my cats are getting to um, get it. So I also adore the Aristocats. Mm. It was, again, a tie for me, but I know that the one that I've chosen also has a special place in your heart, and it's the fox and the hound. Yes. Oh. Little baby Todd. Oh. I watched it. I watched it last night because I hadn't seen it in so long. And I'm like, I need to watch it again for research purposes. And I just like little Todd and Copper when they're playing together. And then and then when Copper goes away on the hunting trip and mm-hmm. Todd is watching him drive away. Uh,
0: oh, God, that movie. That movie just kills me. I so I have a funny story. I um, when I was a kid, I used to stay with one of my parents' friends uh, while they were at work. And they had The Fox and the Hound because we didn't have it at home, but they had this movie. And every time I went over, I watched this film. And I think oh it was to God. the point where they're like, is she okay? <laughs> like,
1: because my she's favorite scarred Now, at the
0: time were Old Yeller, The Fox and the Hound, and Homeward Bound.
1: <laughs> okay, were you okay? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> now Those I watch them as an all adult. really
0: sad movies. I know, but I think it just went over my head. Because there was like, yeah. oh, the animal film. Like, I wanted to watch the. Because y- you'll notice, guys, like all my favorites kind of revolve around animals. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, I was like, it's the animal film. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was that was me as a kid. Watched very sad movies, and people wondered if I was okay. <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> um, and then Copper uh, is actually uh, inspired the name of my mom's dog. <laughs> and his his full name is Copper Todd. In honor of this movie. But I also want to give a shout out to Oliver and Company because that is an exceptional mm-hmm. movie. If you haven't seen it, like definitely go watch it after you're done listening to us.
1: I want to go watch it again. I haven't seen it oh, in so long. God.
0: but Just, I just, just, just the it. opening, the older I got
1: and the more the opening hit me, the less I was able to watch these movies. Um, see, the fact that you brought it back to my memory. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I can see it now in my head. And I think this is why I have something about little orange kitties at like Aww, the um like at humane societies kitty. and stuff. Because I'm like, he was so cute. Why did no one want him? I know. It was so sad. doesn't make sense. And now, see, this movie is 100% why I go on like humane society websites <laughs> to look at the adoptable pets. And I'm like, I need to go get all of them. Because right? people, especially the ones where they're like, oh, we've been here for like – four to six months, and I'm like, well, you're not going to be there much longer. I know, right? This is why we're, we're, not, coming home <laughs> we're not allowed in the
0: shelters. So we'll come home with 20 cats. Uh, yes. All right, let's move on to the Renaissance era. This is the hardest one to pick a movie because really I just want to rank them. I don't want to pick a favorite, but I'm going with Beauty and the Beast because okay. when I was a kid, um, every Friday we would go to the video store to rent a VHS people if you're,
1: mm-hmm. if you're not
0: of the mm-hmm. 90s era. And I have a visceral memory of what that place smells like because they also used to make like the movie popcorn as well. Yeah. And um I rented Beauty and the Beast 17 consecutive weeks in a row.
1: <laughs> I love that. This is this is so why proud. so many
0: people were like, is she okay? Like <laughs> and the the I clerk. It's all right. The clerk at the store looked at my parents and they're like, can you just keep this movie, please? You have already paid for it so many times.
1: <laughs> it's like it's just yours now. Exactly. So,
0: yeah. And uh, just has a, a personal meaning as well mm-hmm. for me. And um, the funny thing was, like, we never really owned this movie, even though it was my favorite. And then for my 18th birthday, my dad bought me the DVD. <laughs> <I> <laughs> He's just it. like, it's about time you owned your own copy. Um, <laughs> but this was also a film that when they kind of did the live action for, it yeah. actually enhanced the story. Like, it's like the one live action that I truly love.
1: We went to go see that together, we right? did. Yeah. I, I yeah, saw it several times. It. Yeah, <laughs> I, it was so good. Yeah,
0: I absolutely love this film. So it's so hard. Like Lion King, I also mm-hmm. absolutely love. It will always have a place in my heart. And same with Aladdin. And oh God, I'm just going to go down the list if I keep doing that.
1: So yeah, Beauty I'll, and the Beast. I'll jump in. Yeah. So... Yeah, similar to you, um, I was going to pick The Lion King, but I feel like The Lion King speaks for itself. It holds its own. It's fine. (laughs) In a way, it holds its own. That one um, does have some sentimental value for me because it really is the one that like me and my two brothers, like that was like our movie. Yeah, You know, like we had the cassette tape in the car and we would like sing it together. And, you know, like it was attractive to both me as the – baby and the girl of the family, but also the two boys. Mm-hmm. So it was something we could do together. But I've gone with Tarzan. Love it. We already talked and- so much about Tarzan, but oh my God. I know. So good. It's it's just so good. And I think why I picked it in the end is because of the fact that like I really can't say anything bad about it. Mm-mm. Not that I really could about any of the others, but, you know, you could maybe pick a theme from, like, one of the earlier ones and be like, "Mm, that didn't age well. But this one, I'm like, this is a masterpiece. It is. I found that it portrayed really great messages. It really emphasized the importance of family and love. And that just really hits me deep in my soul. Mm -hmm. And I also found, like, I enjoy... Even though at the beginning they couldn't really understand each other, I do enjoy the relationship a lot between Tarzan and Jane because yes. I find it very respectful. It is,
0: except for the time where he kind of tried to look up her skirt, but that was just a misunderstanding.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, that was at the beginning when he didn't understand her. All right, the rest of it was all right. So, and I, I, I think probably too why I like it was because like we were kind of entering into the 21st century and mm-hmm. such. And Jane, as just a woman, yes. was very, like, I, like I'm not going to say, like, liberated, but she was. Yeah,
0: she didn't fall into that no. classic, like, oh, I need a man to save me. Like, she was an educated woman yeah. and out-traveling.
1: And, yeah, I feel like she was kind of the start. And she was going to go after Tarzan because she just thought he was hot. <laughs>
0: i mean he just wore a lung cloth who
1: wouldn't he just i mean have you have you seen his muscles they look a bit weird compared to what an actual human's muscles would look like but they were moving they were moving we will acknowledge that thank you animation (laughs) um but yeah like mulan was
0: kind of that first princess to break the mold and then Mm -hmm. jane maintained it you know but at a more common ground, mm-hmm. right? Like she was a little bit more mm-hmm. of an ordinary
1: person. Yeah. And I think too, I enjoyed, even though there's some stuff I could say about the relationship between Tarzan and Kerjak. I do enjoy how when you would see Kerjak and Tarzan interacting with the rest of the family, quote unquote, they were very like, gentle mm-hmm. and such and I felt like I enjoyed how that was portrayed as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, like the male figure being the caretaker.
1: Yeah, like even though they are masculine characters, you know, like Kerjak isn't leaving until all of like the baby gorillas are safe mm-hmm. yes. kind of thing. So I enjoyed that too. Yes, yes. All right. I have a lot to say. I know you I do. A lot to say. Also, Phil Collins. <laughs> oh, he did not have to go that hard. He did not have to go that hard. But we love him for post-renaissance. it. post-Renaissance. 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 Okay, <laughs> I'm going with an odd pick.
0: I know Lilo and Steve. Was not my favorite in the era. I do appreciate it though. I think it's a great story, but I kind of want to go with Hawaiian Dinosaur. Roller
1: Coaster Ride is a bop. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a, it's a good movie. I feel like it's got so much recognition that it doesn't need my recognition as yeah. well. So I'm gonna go with Dinosaur. I want to bring this movie back. <laughs> so we I might will watch bring it. it back. I'll I'm, go watch yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna both go watch it and just appreciate it because I remember really enjoying that story. I could be totally wrong. I hope I'm not wrong, but I do
1: remember being. You know, happy at the end of the movie, Rachel. What's yours? We can like, we can like cast it together, perfect for the weekend or something. Perfect. So I'm actually going to go with The Emperor's New Groove, classic, which honestly might be my favorite Disney movie ever. And I just have to address um, that I made a cronk reference when we were last talking about it, and you didn't laugh, and I was upset. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I w- do. You know when we were talking about how it wasn't successful, I just go by all accounts, it doesn't make sense, <laughs> <laughs> which. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to slip it in there, and I think just because of the fact that I didn't obviously make it sound jokey, it didn't hit. But that's all I have to say. Is okay. Kronk is exceptional. He is, and you know what? All those He's jokes, so like
0: that's the movie that you know the memes are still popping out with at this time. So we just love it for that. Squeak, squeaker, squeak, squeak them. <laughs> <laughs> It's- okay, revival era. It's just a good one. Okay, revival era. It this is. is also a hard one to pick a movie from. I love Zootopia. I love Moana. Mm-hmm. Love Tangled, but I'm going with Frozen too because it just it just hit me in a place
1: <laughs> as an adult just, that like I was not yeah. able to recover from. <laughs> um, I agree. Anytime I listen to Show Yourself, mm-hmm. I. I was literally in the theater sobbing. I know, on like a Tuesday night, and I was just like, "Why is this hitting me so hard?"
0: Yes, and then when um, when all is found is played as well, the full <sighs> version, I'm just like, oh. and I I picture the opening sequence, and I don't know why when the like frozen title comes up and the music really hits i cry every time <laughs> i'm
1: just like i know what?
0: i'm like why does this movie have triggers in it like there's just musical notes that that hit me and scenes that mm-hmm. hit me that just hit me so deep and
1: i just i just love it um Hot take and i do have into it, the unknown yep i find it better than let it go sorry
0: yeah i agree i didn't yeah. i didn't enjoy the music in in frozen i actually took me a few watches through frozen to kind of like it at all Mm -hmm. Um, but Frozen 2 that's a masterpiece (sighs) what's your favorite though
1: so mine the one that I went with is actually Tangled love Tangled so again this is another one where I feel like Rapunzel's relationship with Flynn Rider was very realistic Mm -hmm.
0: here comes Um, the smolder
1: (laughs) (laughs) just whack with the the frying pan frying pans who knew right (laughs) right? (laughs) I love that they became the weapon of choice (laughs) I know so yeah I love that movie i think probably because of the fact that it did introduce this new style but it was a very familiar story
0: yes yeah very
1: very renaissance
0: vibe yeah like they they went back to what they knew which was the princess fairy tale stories and princess and the frog kicked it off but tangled brought it home
1: yes and i do enjoy that you know she was becoming more independent Mm -hmm. you know like in the end eugene did kind of come save her but she was part of the saving process. Yeah, yeah. Like it I wasn't enjoy. like he was off fighting the dragons alone, right? Yes, she was there. My one bone to pick is why, oh, why did they cut her, sh- her hair that short? It's not a good look. <laughs> Don't I, mind the color, but what's me.
0: what's with the bob?
1: <laughs> it actually still bothers me to this day. I'm like, could you not have like cut it like, you know, like at her shoulders? Like, why? What is this? What is this? Yeah. Um, I love Mandy Moore oh so good she's wonderful so good she's Excellent wonderful in that role and then finally we have the streaming
0: era which there is really only one movie technically but it's in Canto, and yep. if you haven't seen it go watch it because it's magical Um, It is. And I just love all the videos because this one, again, like they really show diversity of characters Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. she was the first princess, but I don't know if she's actually, I guess she's not actually a princess, but she was the first Disney lead to have glasses and there's videos of little kids and they're wearing their glasses and she's Mm -hmm. like, mommy, she looks like me. (laughs) And I'm just like, "Ah." ah. So I just love that where Disney's going is that like, you know, we didn't relate to the princesses of the Renaissance era. Really, really like in, in looks and appearance, you know, um,
1: it would be hard to, because the bodily proportions really don't make sense. Yeah. And
0: we're not getting into that tonight. That's a different episode, but like, I just love that now they're kind of creating more realistic body types, skin tones and hair glasses, everything and flaws. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm that now children are truly seeing themselves in these roles and they're they're good roles to have as like a model, you know?
1: Yeah. And also like Isabella is a critique on perfectionism. Yes. And the perfectionism expected of women. And I love it. Yeah. Stand by it. Mm-hmm. And, and why does like service
0: pressure, like why did I cry? <laughs> why do I cry uh, during
1: that song as well? And I'm just like, oh my God, I feel this. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, unedited. This has been two hours and five minutes mm-hmm. um so if y'all are still here thank you we appreciate you mm-hmm.
0: we probably won't do this kind of episode very often but you know mm. our fun episode of favorites kind of became a two-hour
1: yeah. special so <laughs> we, yeah, we don't our, know what happened our favorites our favorites actually only took up five minutes of the episode oops <laughs> oopsies oopsies we just well, so you know what? See, it's hard to cover 90 years <laughs> it is and like I think because of the fact that Disney is essentially the creator of animated features, Mm -hmm. there's just such interesting history and so much work goes into all of these films that like, I feel like it's good that we addressed all of them because every single one that has come throughout the history of Disney, there are things about it that set it apart Mm -hmm. from ones that came before and ones that come after. And... They deserve that recognition. There was a lot of hours put into it. Oh. Into every single one. Yes, absolutely. And
0: I just love theories that people create and how people like even at our age and older still sit down and watch these films. Like I Mm -hmm. frequently watch Disney movies with either one of my parents and Mm -hmm. like we just enjoy them because – You know, it's either nostalgic for us, or it's a newer film, and like it's just sharing a really great story. So, don't feel like you need to have kids to enjoy these movies again. Just just turn Mm -hmm. one on and
1: love it for what it is, because they they really are great. Mm -hmm. And maybe six six months from now, we'll come back with Pixar. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna need a break after doing this. Yeah, we need some time. We need some time. Like I I don't know if you feel the same way, but I have taken a lot of disney related information into my brain Mm -hmm. over the last three or four days that the second we turn this recording off i will probably not remember (laughs) anything you're
0: gonna have to decompress you gotta i know (laughs) and i
1: know you feel the same way
0: yes and we only scratched the surface so we hope this kind of inspired you to look more into disney history or just kind of give you a little fun facts but Anyway, Mm -hmm. we should let you lovely listeners go. If you like this show, definitely leave us a five-star review. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. They come out every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, especially the return of a very popular guest to talk about Mm -hmm. a very spicy topic and rachel do you have anything else left to say i do not go enjoy some of these disney movies guys yep and enjoy it with a nice cup of tea because we all live like tea live like tea